This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This is a real treat, uh, getting to speak to a New York City institution. I don't know what it is about our next guest, but in an era where it seems like the world is so polarized, people can't even agree on what day it is. This might be one of the few entertainers, one of the few performers, one of the few people out there that's still almost universally liked. He wears many hats. Uh, you, If you've seen Taxi, Who's the Boss, Hudson Street, or the Tony Danza Show, you know him simply as Tony. He is a great spokesman for New York City. He's been an actor, a TV personality, a talk show host, and a philanthropist, and He's somebody that almost everyone in this city seems to have a story about encountering. And if you're one of the few people out there that's never seen him in person, well, beginning tonight, you're going to have a chance to do just that. We'll tell you how in a minute. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome the one and only Tony Danza. Good morning, Tony. Thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Thank you, Frank. Great to be on the other side of midnight. <laughs> it, it's my pleasure. You know, like it's that. funny. I was telling, I was telling you off air. It seems like almost everybody has a Tony Danza story. Is that just a function of being a celebrity for a half century? What is it about you that everyone seems yeah. to have a story of a Tony Danza encounter? Well, I think first of all, it does have something to do with being around for that long. You know, the other thing is that you know I'm around. I'm around the city. I'm in the neighborhood. I. You know, I sit outside. I, you know, I, I enjoy New York. I'm really, uh, this is, this, this place means something to me. You know, you know, you know what John Updike said, don't you? John Updike said, <laughs> people who don't live in New York are just kidding. So I'm just really <laughs> enjoying every bit of it. And so, you know, that's one of the great things about New York. You know, I talk about it in the act. I talk about the brush when you, when you're walking down the street. And you're going to have a collision with somebody on the sidewalk. And at the last minute, you both move your shoulders and you just brush. You know what I mean? So we have this this kind of culture here in the city, and I uh, and you're right. There is a lot of polarization, but I think the the over uh, the the overarching thing about New York is that we're we're all New Yorkers. So you're not moving to Florida anytime soon, like so many people seem to be doing. Now the only problem with Florida and living in Florida is you got to live there, you know. So I I know I, I I'm going to stay where I am, <laughs> and I don't mean to diss Florida. I mean it. I'm just there. I just played a couple of dates down there. Had such a good time. So it's uh, now, you know this this act takes me all over the place too, which is like the most fun. I've been in I've been in Marion, Ohio, Uniontown, Pennsylvania. I was in Philly Saturday night. Um, you know, so it's 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 just uh, it gets me out, and I'm I'm around. So maybe that's what it is. It, it, maybe it is. And uh, so let's tell people about the act. You are doing standards and stories uh, starting today. At the Cafe Carlisle, uh, you're going to be uh, performing Tuesday through Saturday. What exactly are you going to be doing? You're going to be singing and telling stories. That seems to be what the title the title suggests. Yeah, well, yes, it's pretty self-explanatory, Frank. Yes, well, we see. You know, I I, uh, I wrote an act. I wrote uh, picked out a bunch of songs. I got a great arranger named John Otto who arranged all the uh, songs for me. And then you write an act that uh, will make some kind of a connection with the audience. You know, personal stories, professional stories. And songs that evoke some kind of help with that. And uh, it's funny. Uh, I, I, you know what, Frank, the interesting thing, you know, I've been working on this a long time. I'm actually going to say something to you. I'm not a bad singer anymore. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm, I'm serious. It's really kind of uh, exciting uh, for that to happen because you can't learn how to do it. Even if you have a voice, you can't, you gotta, 
got to go out there and do it. And sometimes it's embarrassing, you know. It's hard to open your mouth like that when, you, when you're not sure you're going to be successful. So, um, so now I, I feel pretty good out there. I feel pretty uh, – and, 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 and let me tell you, Carlisle, just so you know, it's like stepping back into another, another era. I mean, it's like, um, you know, first of all, you know, I don't know if you know anything about that hotel, but every president since, uh, since I think Hoover stayed there. And, uh, and, and in fact, and John Kennedy made it the, um, the New York White House. And there's, there's a rumor that there's a, there's a tunnel that you could sneak people into because a certain starlet sang happy birthday at the garden and somehow they got her into the, into the, into the Carlisle. So I haven't found that, by the way. I've been looking for that tunnel, but I haven't been able to find it. It, it, it's a great place. And by the way, it's also the place where the, the, the Carlisle group, that group which is supposedly uh, at the heart of so many conspiracy theories, it was named yeah. for the Carlisle Hotel. So it's great that you're going to be there. Um, it, is the best way for people to get tickets if they want to check you out between now uh, and June 25th to go to the website? Or is there another way that's a, a great way? No, to get I think tickets? the website's the best. Yes, the website's the easiest place. Just go to the Carlisle website. Great. Um, and they could Google and, that or uh, just go to rosewoodhotels.com and it comes right up there. Yeah, Cafe Carlisle is the best way. Cafe Carlisle. That's Ca- Cafe play. Carlisle. Uh, it's you, you know, and a famous. This is the place where Bobby Short uh, held court for so many years. Uh, it's, it's a really, it's really, really, uh, you talk about a, a New York institution. That's what it really is. Yeah. Yes, uh, no, four, four guys in the, four of the best guys you've ever seen in the band. Really that is guy. that is terrific. I'm going to uh, try and get there uh, myself. So you you mentioned that you're not a bad singer anymore, and if people haven't <laughs> seen you in person, they could see you on YouTube. You've performed on Broadway. Um, what about the stories? Something tells me you're not a bad storyteller anymore these days. Well, you know, again, uh, going back to how long I've been around, you uh, you 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 do amass a certain amount of stories, and uh, and I, you know. Frank, one of the great things about my career is the timing of it. So think about it. So I went to high school and I went to, I grew up in Brooklyn in the fifties and sixties, best time you could live there. Then I went to, I went to college in the, in the, in the late sixties, 60, 68, I graduated. So I'm in college in the seventies. Then I boxed in the seventies in the mid seventies here in New York when the, when the, the old timers are still around. The Chicky Ferraras, the uh, the Tony Kansies, and the Ray and, uh, and Ray Brown. So all of those guys were around. And then I get to Hollywood. I get to Hollywood in 1977, 70, 78, and you know everybody. All those old timers were running around. So I got to be around, you know, Frank Sinatra. I got to be around Billy Wilder. I got to be around. And so I have some stories about about stuff like that. So uh, it's pretty. It, it, it makes me happy to to, uh, to remember it, too. That's the other thing. Oh, no, I, I can imagine. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Tony Danza. He's performing at the Cafe Carlisle Tuesday through Saturday, uh, all the way through June 25th. Please tell me that one of the songs that you're going to be performing, at least for one night at some point, is the Elton John classic, Tiny Dancer. <laughs> no, we, we try to stay away from that one, Frank. Got it. We try okay. to stay away uh, from yeah. that one. You know, did you see that just recently? I mean, a few, I don't know, sometime, maybe half a year ago, where uh, Elton John actually sang it with, um, I did, with I Courtney did. Cox, I, I think, and that was the craziest thing ever, you know. I thought it was hysterical. 
Oh, this thing has haunted me, you know. This is really haunted. You, one time I was in Philly. I was When I was teaching in Philly, I was walking with a friend, and we were going to eat. And four girls, young girls, ran up to me, and I thought they wanted a picture, or they wanted an autograph. I didn't even know how the hell they knew who I was. They get in a line next to me, and their friend took a picture of them singing, Hold Me Closer, Tony Dance. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it, it, it shows up every once in a while. But not you, in my you mentioned, <laughs> got, got it, got it. People are warned. Uh, you mentioned uh, hanging around with Frank Sinatra, and I don't think anybody would be surprised to have heard that you and Frank Sinatra have encountered one another once or twice over the years. Someone who people may be surprised to know that you had an encounter with was Tupac Shakur. You actually became uh, friends with Tupac Shakur before he died, didn't you? Yeah, what happened was, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a... Uh, you know, I'm a board member of the Police Athletic League here in the city. And my a big shout-out to our owner, John Katsimatidis, who does a great job. Uh, every, oh, of every, course, the great, the great John Katsimatidis. Of course, he's our, uh, he's our lodestar there, by the way. But um, we started an act, a teen acting program uh, uh, because I really think that uh, kids today have it so much tougher than we did. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, uh, try, try to find a good role model. Try to, try to find something that, uh, you know. And so we started this program. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's where all of this comes from. You know, that, uh, uh, I had such a great childhood. I had such a great life and it bothers me that these kids are not, um, are not, you know, possibly may not have the same kind of, uh, I just think, I just think it's so much tougher. And so I can't remember what the hell, why I started talking. Oh, uh, Tupac. I was asking about befriending Tupac. Oh, Tupac. So what happened is. I wrote him. A, he's in jail. He gets shot five times, and he's in jail with five bullet holes in him. He's got thug life written across his his stomach. And so I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a letter. I said, "Dear and dear, dear two, dear two, five, I could." Anyway, so I wrote dear two. I wrote him a letter, and I said, "Listen, I know this business you're in. You can't be a goody two shoes, but." You know, considering where you find yourself, maybe there's another way to do it. And there are a lot of kids who look up to you. He was also a great actor, too, besides, you know. And the reason I did this, by the way, is I saw him on the news. And then that next morning, I heard a song called Dear Mama that he wrote. And it's about what he put his mother through. And that's why I wrote him the letter. And so he writes me back. He writes me back and he says, you know, uh, you know, he, you're right. I can't be a goody two-shoes, but I get what you're saying. And we started to, you know, by the way, I think I got three letters from him, two or three, by the way. And, uh, and I wrote him three times. And then one night I was at a, a movie theater, a movie premiere with my family. My, my, my kids were small and, uh, and my wife was with me and uh, a big bodyguard came over and said, Hey, Tupac wants to see you. So we went over and spoke with him and it was great. You know, it was, he was terrific. I mean, it really was. It's just, uh, I just worry about the influence. Mm-hmm. You know, with incredible uh, influence comes incredible responsibility. And sometimes I think, uh, you know, in the, in the pursuit of money, nobody thinks about it. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I know you have a date with uh, getting your tuxedo pressed. You're going to be performing at the Cafe yeah. Carlisle. But on on that note, on that note, uh, I have really been moved the last few years at your advocacy and your work 
for education. For people that don't know, you spent some time recently uh, as a teacher in Philadelphia schools. A&E did a show about it, and I read the book you wrote about it where you uh, – I'd like to apologize to every teacher I've ever had. I think the one <laughs> thing that everyone acknowledges in this country is that education the, – the school system, the education system is cause for concern. We might not agree on how to fix it, but we all realize that there are some problems there. Given your experience of going into a classroom a few years ago, uh, what do you mm -hmm. think the best way to fix our education system is? Well, first of all, I think the conventional wisdom is a little bit off because as uh, many problems as, as – and it's true. As, as many problems as there are in the school system, there are thousands of miracles ha that happen in the school every day. It really – I mean it. You, you know uh, – I was surrounded by a, a cadre of teachers who really, really uh, put their, their their lives on the line for these kids. And so there's a lot of good also. So it's not all bad. And, and, and by the way, the reason I, I, I decided to try that teaching thing was because I really wanted to see what, what's going on in our public schools. And so I wasn't um, – there's no doubt that the motivated student is no longer the, I mean, the unmotivated student is no, no longer the exception, but there are really some, a lot of good things that happen in, in, in our public schools. Unfortunately, you know, you, you have, uh, you have, you have, uh, you got to re remember what these kids are seeing and, and dealing with every day. I think we're, we're kind of being, you know, we're whistling past the grave thinking all these kids are going to grow up. Uh, well, well adjusted. You know what I mean? I, I just, I just mm. think it's, uh, you know, we grew up on nothing but love songs and look how we turned out. Mm. Uh, now it's, uh, it's, it's very, very true. And uh, that's why uh, we're grateful for a lot of the work that you do with the police athletic league and uh, taking young people that might go down a wayward path and trying to get them on the, uh, on the straight and narrow. You know, you mentioned your career as a boxer. Whenever I see our friend Geraldo Rivera, he always makes a point <laughs> of saying how back in the seventies, you were the toughest kid he'd ever seen. Uh, forget about it as a boxer. He says you were the toughest kid ever. Uh, oh, how did you end up making that transition? from boxing to Hollywood? So I, uh, I, uh, I was fighting in, in, I was boxing, I was training, excuse me, in Gleason's gym, which used to be on 30th and 8th Avenue, the storefront. And uh, a guy walked in one day, his name is Stuart Sheslow. He's still around. And uh, he was watching, he was, uh, he was uh, researching a pilot for a, uh, for a TV show called Augie, about a young fighter, who trains at this gym that's owned by an older fighter and they have a relationship. And, and he was in there researching it. And he saw me and he came up to me afterwards and he said, did you ever think about uh, being on TV? And I thought he was up to something. Um, but I, you know, I went along with it for a while and he got me an agent. The agent got me a, 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 um, an audition for, do you remember the Warriors, that picture? Oh, sure. I, I love the Warriors. Okay. It's the Coney Island so movie. I get, so I get, I get an audition, an open call for the, I go to an open call for the Warriors. My agent tells me, go there. So I was fighting my first main event at Prospect Hall in Brooklyn. You know that place where they used to do the weddings? We make right. your Grand dreams Prospect come true. Hall. We make your dreams right. come well, true. Well, that was, yeah. that was a boxing venue uh, before before it was a, a, a catering house. And I was fighting there. And I, I, you remember, they used to make those posters, Frank. And it was my first main event. And so I was on the top of the poster, had my picture. It said, Tough Tony Danza, Brooklyn's knockout artist. 
So what happened was I was at this giant uh, conference table. Joel Silver, Larry Gordon, and Walter Hill are sitting on the on the other end, and I read for the part. And as soon as I read, you know what they do? They say thank you very much, and I say okay, thank you. And I and just but before I left, I unfurled the poster and I said, hey, you guys really want to see a fighter? You should come see me. You want to see a warrior? I said you should come see me fight. I'm fighting Friday night, and they came. And in that fight, and by the way, this fight, for some reason, has been posted on uh, on YouTube. If you put Tony Danza fight, you can see it. But what happened was, uh, I was really good if a guy came to me. I couldn't, I was bad if, you, if I had to chase you. But this guy came right to me, and um, I landed a big left hook. And in about, I don't know, 50 seconds, he was in the first row. <laughs> and Larry Gordon, the producer, was walking around the outside of the, of the uh, ring, and he looked up at me, and he said, that's the greatest audition I've ever seen. And so I got the part. I got the part in the Warriors. And then while I was at Gulf and Western with Sean Paramount uh, to get costume, they, they introduced me to Jim Brooks, who was doing the show Taxi. And uh, I actually read with Mandy Patinkin, who was reading for, uh, for uh, Judd Hirsch's part. And uh, somehow I end up now I got a movie and I got taxi. I got the part. So I chose to do taxi. I couldn't do both. Uh, it sounds like you made the the right decision. Um, you know, Leslie, speaking of uh, boxing and athleticism, people look at you now and you look basically the same as you did 30, 35 years ago. We have a lot of people listening who find themselves getting a little older, getting into their 60s, mm-hmm. getting to the 70s. Maybe the metabolism doesn't move as quickly as it once did. Any tips for staying in shape uh, for people that uh, find themselves entering into a new stage of life? What's your secret? And don't tell me olive oil and uh, and uh, Parmesan. Well, it is the you know it is the olive oil option. I have that you know that. But but you know I, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that you get when you're a fighter, other than you get your brains beat in, is that you get this tremendous discipline. Because you you always think that you always think the other guy's training, you know the guy you're going to fight is training, so you got to get in shape. I don't know. Look, I just believe in trying to stay in shape. You know, I was just on uh, Channel 11 and they were showing a uh, a piece on a woman who turned 108 yesterday. Mm. And 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 don't get me wrong, uh, it's an amazing thing to be 108 years old. But I don't want to be like that if I'm if I'm around and I you know I can't do anything. So I try to keep myself in shape, and, and, and it's it's not easy, and it takes time, but it pays off. And uh, by the way, I'm two pounds less than I was for my last fight in 1979. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Tony Dan's uh, standards and stories, you could see him at the Cafe Carlisle. The uh, show start at 845. Uh, this is a show that uh, I think tickets are going to go pretty quickly for. I'm going to try and get there. Uh, maybe I'll see you I'll there. Yeah, oh, you, absolutely. Uh, get your tickets now. You can just Google Cafe Carlisle or go to rosewoodhotels.com. You could buy tickets online. Hey, Tony, it's always such a treat to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it very much, Frank. Take care, okay? Keep punching. Th- Absolutely. If you want to comment on any part of my discussion with Tony Danza, give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. Something tells me a lot of you have some great Tony Danza experiences and encounters of your own. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead.